Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you in association with Manufacture CT. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. Welcome to the latest edition of Meet the Manufacturers on behalf of Manufacture CT. It is my great pleasure on this episode to be speaking to Marcy Minnick, who is the CEO of Excello Tool based in Milford, Connecticut. Good morning and hello and welcome. Morning. How are you? I'm very well. So tell me a little bit about the company, how it started, and a little bit about how you joined the company and got to the lofty heights of CEO, please. Sure, of course. So we are a family business. We've been in business here in Connecticut since 1960. Uh, my grandfather actually started it. He is a World War II vet. And when he was stationed in Italy in World War II, he was a airplane repair technician. What he'd do is he would fix components that were broken on airplanes by machining them and making replacement parts. And that's how his vision for a company came back when he came back to the United States and you know, began his family and began his career. He started very small little job shop with a buddy of his that started doing work for companies like Remington Arms, which was here in Connecticut, you know, back in the 40s and 50s, and uh, Winchester, which was another company doing just that as well. He would take their machines and make replacement parts for them. And then in the 60s, he came up with a vision as an entrepreneur that he wanted to start his own business. And that's when he bought a very small little job shop, a couple of machines and hired a couple of guys to come along and started doing more contract work with those companies themselves. In the 70s, my father became involved in the business. He went to a college up in Boston called Wentworth Institute, and that's where he learned how to do computer numeric coding or CNC machining. And that started the next generation of of our company, which is when we invested in a larger building in Milford and started bringing in more automation and started doing contracts for companies like IBM and Branson, and we did some medical equipment. So now here we are in 2020. I got involved in the business back in 2002. I had no intention of ever getting involved in manufacturing. But, um, <laughs> I was going to uh, ask that. <laughs> amazingly enough, my, that's kind of how my career went. I, um, I went to Sacred Heart University and I got an MBA in business. And while I was doing my dissertation, I had taken a production management class and uh, learned some information about, you know, AS9100, ISO 9000 certification, and kind of like at a dinner table, family dinner table, I was, you know, grown and an adult, and I was not living with my parents anymore. And I said, hey, dad, you know, you should really consider becoming certified. The industry really seems to be going more into aerospace. We're competing with countries like China and India, where quality is not really as high if we have a certification that kind of distinguishes us from those other you know, manufacturers worldwide, you should probably consider it. And that's when he turned to me and said, well, yeah, sure, go ahead, you want a job? <laughs> and I, um, well, well, at that point I was you know, doing advertising for a local newspaper and I guess I was young, I was getting married. And I said, well, yeah, I, I, I guess I can leave my job and do this for a little while and, and kind of help you out. And that was, I guess, um, 19 years ago. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And here I am. And, uh, you know, very quickly, I fell in love with the business in itself. I mean, I grew up in it. It was a family business. We have about 20 people that work for the company. My most senior positions have been here for 30 plus years. We have a lot of longevity with most of our employees. It's really a, a very family oriented business that we've watched, you know, families grow. We've watched people get married. We've watched all kinds of stuff happen. So, you know, I fell in love with having that sort of work environment. And then with the industry in itself, manufacturing, I think had such a complicated and skewed sort of reputation on what it was that I think even growing up in it, I didn't even have a clear idea of how innovative and cool and progressive and exciting the industry is until I was in it and found out exactly what we do. So I began to fall in love with it. And then I got involved in trade schools and I got involved in trade organizations and traveling around the state and advocating for it. And now here we are, 2020. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. So 19 years you've been there. The company, 80 years, which is in itself a, a huge achievement. What end products do you provide and supply to your customers? Sure. So we are a third-party manufacturer. Mm-hmm. So what that means is, let's say you have a large company like Boeing, and Boeing has you know components that they buy from different smaller vendors or smaller customers throughout the state. We manufacture a component to that component. So locking mechanisms will do you know one piece of that, or medical devices will do different components of a, a medical machine. Um, We do some commercial, we've done some automotive. We're really what the industry calls a job shop. Anything that could be made to spec, you know, a customer will provide us with a blueprint and instructions on how they want something made. And we start with a prototype with a lot of our customers because we work with people that are, you know, coming up with with new designs Mm -hmm. and then, you know, create a prototype and do some partnering with some of our customers to, to make engineering and design alterations until we have the perfect product. And then we send it to production and make a run and, and then they assemble whatever their end line product is on the other side. Wow. So aerospace, so medical, some of the really important key industries, you supply yeah. a variety of things. So now you're at the very lofty heights, Marcy, you are the CEO. What does the average day look like for you? Well, it's been, um, you know, 2020 certainly is a very different year than what we had previously going forward. I mean, I, you know, spent a lot of my time prior to, you know, the last year really focusing on transitioning into the next generation. We have an aging workforce, as I think many manufacturers do, and we're really trying to focus on making sure we train the younger group of machinists and manufacturers to come up and get ready to take on the new roles that will be coming in the pipeline in the next five years as we start to see the retirement of some of our workforce. So that's a huge focus. And then, of course, investing in and learning about new technology. Machining is like computers, and they're constantly changing. It's like, you know, you think of the new Apple iPhone. Every year there's a new new technology comes out and machining is the exact same way. Every year there's new, more innovative, um, more exciting, more productive machinery that comes out. So I'm constantly learning and keeping myself educated on what's the future, the future of this industry. It's exciting because it goes hand in hand with technology. It really is progressive. And like you said, exciting to be a part of the manufacturing industry. And I think sometimes you're right. It gets a bit of a bad rap. There is a bit of a a stigma attached to it. And one of the things to come from these podcasts is the vibrant future 
of manufacturing, particularly here in Connecticut. And I've had the privilege of speaking to a number of apprentices and uh, people who, you know, uh, are more entry level into the business and seeing their growth and their career path through certain companies. And you mentioned trade schools and, and the work you've done there. Tell me a little bit about how a young person or somebody returning to the workforce, particularly with the pandemic, of course, what advice or guidance would you give them into training or courses that might make them more employable? Sure. So some um, young folks had the opportunity to take advantage of, you know, the high school education where they took, you know, manufacturing technology at, at one of the like local trade high schools. And that usually is the first point of entry for coming into this industry. But yet then also, of course, there are people who didn't know that that was an opportunity at that time, or they weren't really thinking along that pathway, or didn't have that sort of opportunity in the, in the area that they lived in in town. And then at that point, then there's a couple of university or college level trade schools that also provide you know, training in manufacturing technology. I know Housatonic has some. I know Gateway has some. I know um, Goodwin College up in the Hartford area also has a manufacturing technology program. And there's a couple more throughout the state, which I highly recommend taking a look at their advanced manufacturing technology program. That will certainly set them ahead, I guess, of the competition. You know, when applying for jobs, when you're looking at resumes, that's the sort of thing you're looking for for new blood. Okay. So I've got to tell you, I used to work in radio for many, many years, and I was around radio advertising departments for many years. So I'm kind of fascinated. You were working in newspaper advertising, which is a very different animal, a very exciting animal, if I remember correctly. What skills did you learn in that environment that you were able to transfer into the family business, so to speak? Sure. So I think one of the most important things that I learned throughout the advertising, and at that point, the the degree was called marketing, wasn't an advertising degree, it was a marketing degree, which I think is useful in any opportunity that you have to run a business, because it's important to make sure that you have a face or you have someone who can advocate for your company or somebody can go out there and educate, who can public speak, who could be extroverted and meet clients, meet opportunities, meet people within the industry that can help educate you on uh, and different things that are happening. So that was a totally different life that I brought to this business that no one prior to had had that experience. I mean, my grandfather was a machinist. Yes. My father was a machinist. Neither one of them had business degrees. They you know, usually had to rely on outside influences, you know, their accountants and their attorneys to kind of make the major business decisions. And at this point, my background allows me to be able to make those decisions without having to be as dependent on more professionals to be able to do it. So we've been able to really kind of, you know, tighten reins on finance, tighten reins on on marketing, be able to promote our company. So I think that that has been a huge asset. Very much so. It's like you could create the greatest product in the world, but without experience, I guess, within marketing, obviously that's kind of my bag as well. Nobody knows your products are available. It's it's just not gonna it's not gonna happen, is it? So right. thinking more generally about manufacturing, you know, Connecticut has a rich history in manufacturing. What is it that you particularly like about either your job or the industry? And where do you see yourself and the company headed? I think one of the things that I find to be so attractive and was probably one of the reasons why I went into marketing and advertising was how easy it is to transition and to keep things exciting, right? Like you're not stuck within one wheelhouse of mundane work. Like every day my guys are coming in and women are coming into the floor and they have 
something new and exciting that they're doing every day. I think people get burnt out very much in, in whatever their work is. If when you walk into work in the morning, it's not something different to do. Manufacturing certainly is constantly changing and you're constantly having to think of new ways in which to do things to stay competitive and to keep your brain going, right? It's, you know, it's, it's, there's a science to it. There's a, an engineering portion of it that keeps you really kind of at the edge of your seat and it, it's a puzzle and um, it certainly keeps myself going. It's a new challenge all the time and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's something that's come up actually in previous Meet the Manufacturers podcasts that we've done. And, and it kind of surprised me. Maybe I didn't have the correct view of manufacturing, but what I have found is the people I've spoken to within the industry have talked about not just the progressiveness and the excitement of it, but the variety. I think in my mind's eye, you know, I had this image of a shop floor with a line of, of very skilled engineers making very technical parts, but doing the, essentially the same job every day. It couldn't be more wrong. People explore different areas of the business. They can develop and grow their skills. There really is career progression within manufacturing and particularly here in Connecticut, I've found. Yeah, I think you're spot on with identifying that that is unique to Connecticut manufacturing. We are certainly in our own wheelhouse of what types of manufacturing we do here because it is an expensive place to live. Mm. And it's an expensive place to work. And that's the um, truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's important that we, you know, we certainly have the most educated and highly skilled manufacturers within our, our pot of available employees as well. And because of that, we also make some of the most unique and some of the most expensive manufacturing here as well, mm -hmm. right? We couldn't compete with a company that doesn't have nearly as high of the wages, doesn't require as high of an education. We can't compete with, you know, the long production lines of China or the long production lines of India. We are unique here because we have really, like I said, skilled, really educated manufacturers that border on engineering. It's interesting you should say that. I think essentially what you're saying is that Connecticut has the best manufacturing companies and the best manufacturing skilled yeah. workforce in the country and probably the world. We're just going for it. Um, one of the things that came up in a podcast that I did was some companies are having to really pivot and be creative with their businesses with outside manufacturing. And you mentioned China and you mentioned India. And there is now a bit of a resurgence, you know, a, a buy American have you noticed a, a change in, in your companies and your customers in terms of what they're looking for? Is that a key consideration now? Is that supply chain issue and buying local becoming a thing for you? Because we've always been in the aerospace and medical industry, we tended to have much more of a Buy America sort of ideology for the last years and coming. Our production stuff we haven't seen too much of it come back just yet, but we certainly have seen a few things that have pivoted. Like we had a couple of um, companies that were manufacturing a few things in China that did end up coming back and we are, are doing now. We lost some work and now it's coming back. I, I wouldn't say it's been huge, but there is a little bit of a resurgence. I think what was happening is the Buy America was just starting to get off the ground when COVID hit, right? We yeah. all were getting very, very fast and things were getting really, really busy at the end of 19. And we started quoting a lot of new work. And then all of a sudden, you know, March hit and everybody kind of panicked. And we pivoted from what was the aerospace industry at that point to getting really heavy into the uh, medical industry. And as you can imagine, that became imperative. 
So I hope as you know the vaccine comes out and our, our businesses start to open and we start to be a little bit more mobile again, that all the work that was put into the Buy America concept in 18 and 19 rolls into 2021. Absolutely. And thinking about the pandemic, how did it have a direct effect on your business, your workforce? How has it affected your day-to-day running of the company? So we have been, knock on wood, very blessed. Like I said, we only have 20 people that work for our company and we have not been hit directly here. We did have a couple of outside service providers and vendors that did have to shut down for a period of time. So that sort of extended our ability to be able to hit our production line, you know, our ability to meet our customer demands in in terms of our our end processes on, on some of our stuff. But, you know, I was fortunate enough that I really paid attention very early on. I live in the Lower Fearful County area, and that area was hit very early. You know, Stanford, Greenwich, Darien, that area of the state uh, started to really feel it very early on in March. So where my company is in Milford, nobody was having any issues at that point. I started to implement very quickly some new protocols. And that's when we were wearing masks and we started moving everybody in their six feet distances and um, temperature checks and hand sanitizing and spraying the place down. And everybody was really supportive of the fact that, you know, we were certainly anxious and nervous, but we wanted to make sure that we could stay open. And then when um, our governor implemented uh, manufacturers essential businesses, I think everybody felt a huge relief that nobody had to worry about their jobs being in jeopardy and that we can continue to provide, you know, our product to our customers. Yeah, essential. Um, and at that point, we had a customer who pivoted their entire line from being something that was, you know, completely separate to being a, a line that was used for ventilators. So our production line on that product, which, you know, usually was about a year's worth of work turned into something they needed in two months. So we were full on ahead, you know, slamming out 60 hours a week, the guys were working and and producing and and shipping and, you know, making sure that we're able to supply the industry with what they need to get through the pandemic safely. Yeah. And doesn't it show that great reliance that we have on the manufacturing industry when when something completely out of our control happens like this? You know, governments around the world are looking to manufacturers and to scientists in particular solve this problem, you know. Uh, But on the whole, I think Connecticut has handled the the pandemic exceptionally well. Obviously, you can hear by my accent, I'm not from these parts originally. And I look at how the UK is getting smashed. And I used to live in Spain, which also, you know, was terribly hit, particularly early on. And bizarrely, here in Connecticut, you know, we haven't obviously been forced to, to lock down in the same sort of manner and yeah, I consider myself very lucky, very lucky. And as a state, I think we've we've done exceptionally well. We should be proud of ourselves. Yeah, you know, the people of Connecticut are very bright and they, um, you know, they trust the science and they, you know, come together as a community and we're very dependent on each other. And I think that everybody's looking for the best interests of their neighbors. So I think people are, like you said, doing a, a fairly decent job on, on trying to keep everybody healthy and safe and working, right? I mean, yeah. nobody wants to go back to Mark. That was very difficult and you can see a lot of families were really hit hard um, through March, April, May, as things were shut down. And I, I think, you know, this community really wants to make sure that we can continue to try to keep everybody working and keep families fed. Yep. And the manufacturing side of things, of course, is is keeping the, the wheels in motion, you know, certainly in the science world, which is fantastic. Okay, a couple more questions. 
Marcy, any predictions about the future of manufacturing? In your view, you know, we talked about the computerized nature of CNC work in particular. What about doing business in the state of Connecticut? Have you got any predictions for the future, not just of the technology side of manufacturing, but also of that supply chain and that local or, or national outlook in the future? So another thing that I'm uh, very grateful for is that the state of Connecticut has done a lot of work over the past, I would say, seven years on really making sure that we are training the next generation of machinists. So I think that we're going to see this huge influx of very, very bright, very innovative, young millennials moving up and starting to take over, you know, this new manufacturing industry. Um, I see it as being, again, a place of innovation. I see it as a place of really advanced engineering. I see it a place of tremendous growth. I think Connecticut is a really attractive place to live, which um, as long as the education and the pay scale can stay even with that, I think that we're going to see really technically savvy state grow because like I said, this younger generation has really been given the tools and the skills in order to make you know, this to take flight. For about 20 years, we didn't have the investment in this industry. They started to shut down some of these programs in the high schools and in the trade schools. And 10 years ago, when I was really starting to take over uh, more of the management side of things, I couldn't find somebody to work here for the life of me. And I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to continue my business, not because I didn't have the work, but because I didn't have the employers. And now that doesn't seem to be the case at all. Once a month, I'm getting an application from a young, incredibly skilled, incredibly talented, incredibly motivated machinist who's looking for a place to grow roots, a place to learn, a place to be trained, and they're interested. So I think that the opportunity for uh, what the next generation can do is endless. Oh, it's exciting times. Thinking about your employees, and we were talking earlier about the aging workforce, you know, that many of these family-run manufacturing companies have, uh, because they're such great places to work. How would you describe your company culture for an employee? What, what words or language would you use to describe it? So I started this interview by saying that this is absolutely a family business. The staff that works out there on the floor they have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. It's, it's a family conglomerate. They're friends. They are dependent on each other. But as their manager and their boss, make sure that their personal family life is the most important thing in their lives as well. I focused a lot on making sure that they prioritize their relationships at home and with whether it's their children or their spouses or you know, their parents or their siblings that they are cared for and that they are their priority. You know, I honor benefit packages. I, I think it's really important that we continue to offer that so that families could stay working here. And I try to make sure that my employees don't burn themselves out. We have a tremendous amount of work here. I mean, if I allowed them to, they can work 85, 90 hours a week, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But I, uh, you know, that rolls over at the end of the day to whoever you're going home to. And it's important that when you go home that uh, that's a place where you're happy and you're safe and uh, your family is engaged and wants to see you. And that to me is one of the most important things that work-life balance that um, I will continue to constantly offer. It is my leading cultural motivator. 
I really wish there were more companies like yours that believe in that work-life balance. I, I certainly had a bit of a short, sharp shock when I first arrived in America and I I saw the, the hours that people work, the uh, paid time off that they're entitled to, and it blew my mind, it just blew my mind. So that's really encouraging to hear. Thinking more about yourself and your work-life balance, what do you do to unwind and relax? What are your hobbies? What do you do to uh, switch off when you're not at work? So I am a mother of three and my kids are little. Um, you know, I have elementary age kids and then I have one who's in middle school. The next um, generation of Excello. The next generation, yeah. <laughs> I'm a boy. And it's uh, interesting you say that because my son, who is, he's still very young, he's only uh, seven, but you can see there's an innate sense of really wanting to be here in the shop. I mean, anytime I've ever taken him down here, he like, you know, wants to stick his hands in the oil barrels and like, you know, play with all the controllers on stuff. And I could walk him around the shop a million times and he doesn't get sick of it. So um, as soon as he is old enough to be able to, you know, not have his fingers in a machine and be dangerous. <laughs> no doubt he'll be here on his holiday breaks and days off and summers. You know how how most of us all got involved in it. I mean, there is certainly in this industry. I think every guy that I walk out there and every woman that I walk out there and have the conversation with, how did you know? that this is what you want to do. They didn't know they wanted to be a machinist, but they certainly knew they wanted to build something. Yes. Um, and that is just a, a God-given talent that I think many that walk into this trade uh, have right from, right from birth. Oh, it's amazing. I was the kid who took everything apart, but wasn't very good at popping it back together again. So uh, my poor mum had a, a lot of toys in pieces. Marcy, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. It sounds like the future of manufacturing is in excellent hands. And congratulations on 80 years. Uh, I would love to catch up with you again in the future and uh, we can do some centenary celebrations in 20 years. What a thought that would be. Yep. Maybe your son will be at your desk. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? No, I hope so. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. You too, Claire. Thanks. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this edition of Meet the Manufacturers. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT or you would like to join the organisation, you can visit the website manufacturect.org.